life hacks, leadership tips, stories, and fun. It's time for Two Guys on Stuff with Michael Edwards and Tom Tobin. They're executives, entrepreneurs, and great friends. And this is a conversation about values-based, purpose-driven leadership that can transform you, your organization, and the world. Now, let's hear what stuff the guys are talking about this week. Hey, welcome back to Two Guys on Stuff. This week, we have with us Mark Wasserman, who is a Chick-fil-A owner-operator and retired Air Force colonel. Hey, thanks, Michael, for that great intro. Yeah, welcome to episode 12, folks. You're going to love talking to Mark Wasserman today. Mark and I have been friends for a very long time. Uh, Probably, what, Mark, 2005, I think, was uh, when we were introduced. Correct. Yeah, so Mark retired from the Air Force as a Fulberg Colonel in February of 2007. And prior to that, uh, we were friends and he was saying, you know, he's what am I going to do? And he was praying about where he was going to go and what he was going to do. And he, I, I just said one day, I said, Mark, all you ever talk about is Chick-fil-A. It's like, wh- what else is there to do? And uh, where do you feel like you're going to be led? And, and not everybody was supportive. Remember that, Mark? Not everybody was supportive. I, I do, Tom. It was, it really was amazing because uh, the advice you gave me was to go put myself in the closet, close the door, seek the Lord and let him speak. And so you were the lone wolf out there, my friends. Exactly. um, This is what we believe God leading you to do. I don't like to claim that I was the voice of God, but, (laughs) you know, we were aligned. And uh, it was funny because years later, after uh, Mark's operation got off and uh, running and he was uh, working solidly with Chick-fil-A and things were beginning to go well, I said, how do you like the smell of that? It's chicken. (laughs) So it was was great. So the other thing that's really funny about that is for uh, several years uh, until COVID hit, I would help Chick-fil-A recruit um, military retirees. So we go around the country and and, um, they would host seminars and talk about the process with with Chick-fil-A. And so... uh, one of the things I would do is walk around the audience and I always had a Chick-fil-A shirt on and I'd ask them to smell, smell my sleeves. And, uh, it would be (laughs) the different responses I would get in terms of what do you smell? What do you smell? And they go chicken. I don't know the store. And I said, that's the smell of money in the Wasserman household. <laughs> like Mrs. Wasserman loves to wash my shirts at night. So it exactly. was great. So I yeah. stole your line and it was great. I just had uh, visions of my brother saying, pull my finger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could go down that road with a mother-in-law, but I better not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So no, folks, Mark, you're going to enjoy uh, the nuggets that Mark has. He's over the years helped us in the development of our corporate culture early on at Fit for Work. He has been a steadfast defender of um great leadership and an example of that the same. So um, if you wouldn't mind welcoming Mark Wasserman along with Michael and I, and and we're, I'm just really excited to have you, Mark, you know, uh, this conversation that we have with our folks, we've gotten lots and lots of feedback and I'm I'm looking forward to the feedback that we get from our, our listeners about the nuggets that you drop for them today. And so we, we speak in terms of leadership gold. We love to walk through stories and we 
have a common dialogue. But at the end of the day, if you feel necessary to take this down a path, don't feel like you need to ask permission. Right. Just uh, we really just value your time truly and really appreciate it, not only as a as a wonderful friend, but as a leader in our community. Uh, leader in a church that we both used to attend together. And and so I just really value that and, and appreciate you being here today. So, um, but here's going to, this is going to be difficult, but I, I hope that it, that you can do it with me as well. But we always like to start off just kind of loose and, and just kind of loosen you up a little bit, get you talking. So tell us something interesting about you that most people don't know. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to put a disclaimer out here that I didn't give you and I didn't give you and Michael Chick Fil A nuggets before we started here. Since oh, you were yeah. asking for nuggets, and it was an intended pun, and I didn't put you up to it. So, as long as we can right. clean the air on that one, we'll go. So yeah. yeah. So that's a great question to start off with because you're really asking me for some some dirt. And um, I'll give you, I'll give you a, uh, yeah, I'll give you one, one, uh, one funny story in my life. So when my wife, Judy and I met and we started dating and uh, I proposed, um, I had always dreamt about being the president of the United States. I, I always wanted to get into politics. And mo- mo- most importantly, I wanted to be the president of the United States. And so after I proposed to Judy, we, I forgot where we were, but I said, hey, can, can I ask you an honest question? And she was like, well, yeah, yeah. I said, I really have this desire to be the president of the United States. And she didn't even think. And she just looks at me square in the eyes and goes, I had no desire to be the first lady. So <laughs> that, that ended it. I mean, it, it fell flat. So my career in politics was up in my brain. And uh, in my heart, and but it ended pretty quickly. But um, on a dirty side, um, not it's not really dirty. But when when I was in college, um, I used to date uh, New England Patriots cheerleader, and not many people know that. And what's what's funny wow. about it? What's funny about it is um, Judy was a high school cheerleader, my wife, and her high school mascot was the Patriots. So, you know, I ended up marrying the high the Patriot after all, it just wasn't the first one. (laughs) That's awesome. And I didn't know that. That's fantastic. I know. I tell you, I had to think. Yeah. So anyway, so So, yeah, well, cool. All right. Well, that, I wouldn't call that dirt, but you know, we'll have to figure (laughs) something else out. Right. We'll we'll Uh, make it into dirt. Right. Tom. Yeah. I know. I know. You guys be nice to me. Yeah. So let's kick off the gold mining. Um, So you are uh, experienced. I won't say your age. You're going to get into a time machine and you're going to transport back to your younger self, maybe your 20s, 30s, or it could be even younger. And what we found is that everybody that we've asked this question, they kind of define that moment for themselves that they would go back and is either offer a word of encouragement or direction or whatever the case may be. So you jump into this time machine, you go back. What are you going to tell younger Mark at whatever point you choose uh, back then in, in a way that will enhance your ability to be a leader today that will change, change who you are and help you to, to be a better leader than you are today? 
Yeah. So uh, the first thing I think I would tell young Mark is um, find a man that's willing to invest in you. And, you know, today we call it discipleship. We can call it coaching. Um, it's, it's just something that didn't happen when I was growing up. I mean, people would give you advice, but they wouldn't spend time with you. They would, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be long-term. It would be, Hey, don't do this, do this, don't do that. So I would say, Mark, find someone that's willing to invest in you and come alongside of you. I think another thing I would probably tell young, young Mark is be careful of the people you hang around with. So make sure the people that you are hanging around with have some goals and some object objectives, some things that they want to accomplish with their life. And not, not that there's not time for goofing and playing and life is all serious, but you really want to, you really want to hang with people that are going to be doing the right thing. And so I, I would tell Mark, make sure you know who you hang around with. A friend of mine used to say, you're never going to turn out like the people you don't hang around with. And so there's some, right. there's some good wisdom in that. So I, those would be a couple of things I tell young Mark. That is, that's the, wonderful. The old adage about uh, if you want to glimpse into your future, look at who you surround yourself with today. Yes, exactly. Michael. Yeah. Love exactly. It. Mark, that's great. I mean, it's two things that we have heard consistently over time. Uh, the first one is we've got a really good friend that runs with us in the real estate circle. Uh, her name's Jamie. She's uh, up in North Carolina. And she says, your vibe attracts your tribe. And and I just love that uh, that terminology. But it's true. You know, the people that you run around with are going to determine kind of your your long term movement forward with them. And then the second thing is, is that you were consistent with what we talked about last time uh, on episode 11, which had to do with the uh, common pieces that leaders find themselves consistently engaged in. And that was identifying a mentor and then that mentor investing in the most re important resource that they can. And that's time to in, in your growth. It's amazing that, uh, you know, the commonality, I think we are 100% on board with mentors. Everybody has mentioned, get a mentor. And, and Tom, you and I have also often said, get a mentor and, and we practice this. And Mark, I know that you uh, practice mentorship in, in uh, your role today. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing to mentor future leaders. Yeah. So um, mentoring is key. I mean, I, I, the, the time that you take today uh, to invest is going to return dividends that just won't quit. And, and you don't, you don't invest for you. You invest for them because what's the goal? The goal is to have contributing members of society, right? And so without spending time with people, what are they going to do? They're going to be left to kind of flail for themselves, do for themselves. I mean, look at today's generation. Um, I love the millennials. I, I do. I, I read as much as I can uh, to learn about them. And so when, when I'm dealing with millennials, I, I know some of the things that, that are pertinent to them. I mean, they like positive feedback. They like to get feedback. They also like to know where they're going. They want to know what's, where am I going and what's it going to take for me to get there? Well, if you're not spending time with, with people and in particular m millennials, you're not going to get them on board. You're not going to be able to get them on board. Michael, the, the question you ask is critical. It should be one up, one down. Who's investing in you 
and who are you investing in, right? And so one of the things that we do in my restaurant, and I did while I was on active duty, is to make sure you're spending weekly time with your leaders. There's no way that you're going to be able to spend time with everybody that works for you, that works with you. So you're going to have to pick out those that want to be invested in, right? And so what do you do? First, you really just get to know them. Spend time getting to know that individual. Once you get to know those people and know them well, then you can start making some suggestions in terms of what specifically do we want to do we want to work on? And you can't work on everything at once. So you, you pick specific things, work through those, and then pick on another one. It's the old fire, fire hydrant approach. Don't open the fire hydrant up. Take a little faucet and just take a little drip here and there and move forward. And that's what we're doing. I do. I spend, I spend an hour um, every other week with every one of my leaders. And uh, we, uh, we go through uh, different leadership uh, books. We go through, uh, for instance, one of the Chick-fil-A training guys, that's the head of training, Mark Miller, he wrote a book called The Secret. And, uh, and The Secret's just a great basic leadership book. And so, and it's broken down, easily understood, just like who moved my cheese or the one minute manager, great story, great storytelling. And so, uh, so we've gone through that and we've gone through other books as well. Yes. I, I love uh, that you said you started with the relationship building piece, right? That's, uh, you know, important to start building credibility and trust. How do you, uh, w- once, once you've started that process of the relationship building, what's next? What, what's the next step in, in mentoring that person? Yeah. So if, so trust is probably the key word, right? Um, and trust comes from the relationship and comes from mutual respect. And so once you kind of get a feel for what that individual is like, or then you, then you just, then you just start digging deep from my perspective, you start peeling that onion back because you've already, you've already garnered the trust. Now now comes the vulnerability, right? So, and it's on both sides of the table. The vulnerability is just not the one you're working with, but it's you as well. You've got to be willing to share some things in your life, failures, successes, um, almost, almost complete things, um, those types of things need to be shared uh, because you've got to prove that you're human because they look at you, younger people will look at you going, oh, you don't have this struggle. You don't have this problem. That's because they can't relate. And so in order for you to relate, you got to get to know. In order for getting to know, you got to become vulnerable. And you don't have to compromise, but you do got to become vulnerable. Then you start introducing materials that they're interested in. That's kind of the way I handle it. I think the vulnerability piece is one that many people miss out on, uh, that many leaders don't want to demonstrate because they they equate vulnerability with weakness. And, and it's really not at all about weakness. It's really about humility. And once you've established that common ground, then it's off to the races, right? So can I, can I just give you a funny story? So um, I, I have a, cu- a couple of... Uh, uh, reservist working for me right now. And, uh, you, you know, they're always pounding me as the Colonel, you know, the Colonel, the Colonel. And, um, and that's then kind of fun of being in the chicken business. It, it, it is right. I know. <laughs> except for the, the wrong company, Michael, the wrong company. Um, <laughs> but, but he, um, you know, they, they wanted to see some pictures 
And, uh, and so I, I came home one night and I started looking through some of my old photographs and, um, it, and, and so I actually had, um, hard, hard copy photos, not digitals. And so that was, that was unique to them. And so I, I brought them in, but one of them was when I was a, a 19 year old kid and I was going through field training. So it was before I, I was going to swear into the ROTC program. And I had a, I was drinking a course um, and I don't drink and everybody has this image of me. Um, I, but I, I did drink. And um, before I became a Christian and um, it, it, even a couple of years into being a Christian, but then God just convicted me to stop. And so, you know, people will talk about, let's go for a drink. And I'm like, no, that's not me. But anyways, so I'm standing in, in, in with a beer in my hand and, and these two reservists look at me. Then they look at the picture and then they look at me and they're like, is that really you? And I was like, look at it. Yeah, that's really me. And then, and then not the response I would expect. They were like, how cool is that? The boss used to drink, you know? And so, but, but it's a little, that's a little thing, but it just showed to them vulnerability and that I was human. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And just because what I do today doesn't mean I didn't have my issues when I was younger, right, which right. would have been about their age, you know, and that's important. You know, you've had a lot of people that have influenced you, Mark, over the years. Who would you say is is your one of your greatest influences? And you can name them or not, or you could just say that they were in this position. But who is your greatest influence and what's a nugget or two that you took from them? Well, both of you know who the greatest influence is in my life. It's Jesus okay. Christ, the Lord. I, okay. I if I said anybody else, um, it would be blasphemy because um Jesus is the reason why I am here. I mean, I, I consider myself a servant leader. Jesus Christ was a servant leader. He treated people, as I said, with, with dignity, honor, and respect equal. I mean, you look through the Bible and what do you see? He treated men and women equally. In fact, he treated women in the Bible better than what other men treated women in the Bible. And so clearly you see that importance. Um, but everything I do is, is based on Christ. I, I, if, you know, when, when I, when I mess up, it's because of me. And so, so Jesus clearly has, has influenced me. And, and as far as, as far influence is the influencer. Um, as far as people, uh, there's just not a person in my life. I can, I, I'm going to use your term, not mine, but, but just about, every leader, good or bad, I've been able to take a nugget or two away from them. And so like, mm -hmm. like Patton, you know, I didn't know Patton, but I read a book about Patton and, and Patton would make sure the troops were fed before he was fed. And so I just started practicing that. I just thought that was the greatest idea. And it sends an incredible subliminal message to the troops. Hey, the boss is waiting until we're done. And if there's no food left over, then he's willing to go without. And so, so that's just a little thing, but, but huge in my life. Um, I had a, uh, a Christian uh, boss. Uh, he was a, he was a, he was a two-star general officer. And uh, one of the things he always would pound home, he'd say, I need truth tellers. I need truth tellers. Now, you know, Tom, that, uh, and Michael, I'm sure in leadership, 
uh, you've experienced the boss that all they want to hear is good news. And, yeah. and then what happens? Well, it's not like a fine wine. It doesn't get better with age if you don't tell mm-hmm. the boss. And so I, I learned young and I expect my leaders to do the same thing. And that's tell me the truth. Let me deal with the truth. Don't, don't worry about that. Because if you withhold that information, there's going to be collateral damage, long-term ramifications, trust factors, et cetera. So, yeah. So always, always, always uh, tell, tell the truth. And so, I mean, you'd say, well, that's obvious. Yeah. But when senior people practice that, that has an impact on you. You know what I'm saying? Um, I had a boss. uh, I'll tell you, I'll just give you one more example. So I was, I was the executive officer for uh, a director of an agency. And uh, I got myself in trouble one day. His deputy was a senior executive for the highest level of senior um, SES civilian could be that's associated with, with government employment, right? And so uh, he sent in a package to my boss. I wrote on the package 180 from what this guy was recommending, gave it to my boss. My boss took it over to the deputy, but didn't remove my note. Well, the deputy calls me into his office and just rips me a royal new one. Up one side, down the other. I'm a PhD. What do you know? You're a major, blah, blah, blah. So I, I after that episode, I go into to my boss and I said, okay, do you want my opinion or don't you? And he said, Mark, I always want your opinion because it's your opinion. If you don't give it to me, I don't get it. Now, sometimes your opinions are presumptuous but I got to have your opinion. And so I want people to give me their opinion because it's their opinion and they're going to see, see things from a totally different perspective than I am, especially in the restaurant today. Right. You know, 60 years old, 18 and 19 year olds. I'm going to be honest. I don't think that way. Um, and so I need their perspective on things. Mm-hmm. That definitely makes the decision making process uh, that much more robust when you've got others pr- perspective and opinions and, and even data supported uh, opinions are, are nice as well. Right. People, people don't think the same and that's what makes this uh, big collaborative life good. Talking about leadership lessons, you know, we, we learn from successes, we learn from failures, we learn from, you know, great leaders around us. What is the greatest failure that in leadership and what did you learn from that? That's like the question on HR interviews right now. Give me an example where you failed, right? right. Tell me about a time. Um, yeah. I, it, so if I, if I can be, uh, if I can be transparent, um, I think probably, probably my biggest failure um, in life as a leader, as a husband, as a dad is, is balancing work with family. And I'm sure you guys are sitting there going, oh yeah, that's a challenge. And it, it, it is, it is our, and it's not, this is not a safe answer, please. I am not giving you a safe answer. I'm being honest. Um, It is, I, I have failed with that balance, you know, because you're told, first of all, you're told, climb to the top, do this, you know, this is going to get you the next promotion, you know, get in front of the boss, right? We're given, we're given all this advice that sounds really, really good. Um, and it's really, really bad. It's really, really bad for the family. Um, 
And so there has to be a balance. And I, I wish I could tell you I have I found the balance. I mean, I've found it now. It's easier now. That's because my kids are grown, you know, so there's not competing. There's not competing elements for my time. Not that my wife is not worthy. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah. but the fact of the matter is I'm not running to select baseball games. I'm not, um, uh, I'm not, you know, doing nine different activities at, at, at church and I'm not committed to eight activities in the military or the community or whatever. And so I, I was out of whack with balance and I'll just, I'll just give you a real embarrassing situation in, in my life. So uh, Grand Forks Air Force Bank, North Dakota, not the nicest place in the world um, in terms of weather, but phenomenal people, uh, great community, et cetera. Um, I just happened to be the commander that was in charge of Y2K um, during the transition. And so um, it also just happened to be um, the same year as my 20th wedding anniversary. Oh, and so wow. you, you guys see a train wreck coming, right? Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. and, it, and I'm telling you, it was a train crash. So um, in, in, first of all, there's not a lot of places to go shopping in North Dakota. Um, <laughs> there was no Amazon. So, and, and the, the internet was barely alive. And so it was either Grand Forks, North Dakota, or Grand Forks, North Dakota, or Grand Forks, North Dakota. And so here I am in, in July and August looking for stuff. And then September hit and I still hadn't found anything. And then when October hit, the wing commander strapped us to the base. And so we weren't leaving the base. And I was in charge of, like I said, the transition as we're watching the clock tick. Are the nuclear weapons going to blow up? What's going to happen downtown? Are we going to lose? Are we going to lose electricity? Are we going to lose water? But, but here's, here's something that not many people think about. The base had generators. The town didn't. The town was 20 miles away. And what are we supposed to do with all these little pets? You know how people feel about their pets. Well, guess what suddenly became my problem as well, or my challenge, not really problem, right? So now I have to find housing from an auxiliary perspective, just in case something happens that we lose heat or we lose power or what do we do? Anyway, um, you guys know the rest of the story. Um, the clock struck, nothing happened, and we moved on with life. Well, the clock struck at my house, too, in my 20th wedding anniversary, and my wife is looking at me going, thank you very much. And I blew it. I oh, 100% no. blew it. So um, I'm not proud of that fact, uh, and I, I don't want to say it took me 20 years to learn that, um, but balance hit home big time because, I, you know, it's, it's not the attempt. Oh, I had the right idea. I had the right intentions. I blew it. I didn't, I, I blew it. And so that really hurt. That crushed me. That crushed Judy. Um, the boys were young enough uh, that they didn't really understand what was going on. So, so I, I would say my biggest failure is balance. The, the other thing I would tell you is um, I, I don't know if you guys have done this, but I, I've asked my boys, where have I let you down? Um, and, and if, if you want to uh, open yourself up, uh, ask them that question. And um, the good news is it I didn't hurt them in a lot of areas. Um, but the one area that I hurt them is the area that they love the most and we love the most. And, and that was um, 
you know, taking them to baseball games, select games, et cetera. And, um, and then uh, I would, after a game, if they didn't play well, I see I'm, I'm the type of person that if you sign up for something, you give it your all. And when my boys didn't give their all, it, it, it hurt me. And I don't know if it was pride. I don't know what it was, but you know, Hey, I make all this money and you know, my time and energy, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, they said, you got, you, you really, you really grilled us. You really drove home, you know, and you're thinking you're driving home a good thing, the importance of commitment and sacrifice and all that. Right. They don't, they don't look at it that way. And I, I would say, um, you know, professionally balanced, uh, personally, if I had to do over with, with them, I, I would take, uh, I would take sports a lot lighter than, than what I did when they were younger. That's some pretty powerful 360 degree feedback, right? No kidding. I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, this is, I got to tell you, you, you get, you definitely get the uh, two guys on stuff, golden nugget award for um, the most personal activity, the most personal podcast that we've had. Cause I feel like part of me just wants to give you a hug and say, it's okay, man. Your boys didn't screw up, you know, generally great, you know, it's not okay. Yeah, it turned out okay. Cause I'm sitting here thinking, you know, look, if you're a leader, like if you can't get something out of that, because I guarantee you, if you're a leader and you're on an airplane listening to this podcast right now, and you know, you loaded it up right before you get on the flight, then you're listening to this, you're probably in tears because you're flying someplace away from your family, making incredible levels of time sacrifice that others will never know. You're out there trying to close the deal for your team so that your team can work and provide for their families. And I I know it was really difficult for me to ever leave the or to be able to turn the light off um, when I was at, you know, during the time that I owned the practice. And I always say I turned it on and 20 years later, we turned the light off. And in between, I was never able to turn the light off. And so, Mark, I really appreciate that level of vulnerability that you're sharing, because I hope that it's encouraging to other leaders and especially if they're beginning that process, because we've got, you know, we've got singles, just singles out there. We've got single parents who are really struggling with this. We've got um, folks that are married and they're trying to balance taking care of their spouses and their kids and probably like us, a sandwich generation where we're taking care of our parents as well during times of illness. And I've got to work, you know, um, and uh, and so finding that balance, be, maybe being able to have a mentor that can invest in you and help you identify how to how to become more balanced so that you don't have to look back on regret. So, man, I really appreciate, you know, you sharing that because I can guarantee you that is a systemic leadership issue and. It, it, it will continue to be because you have so many more uh, demands placed on you and um, and coming from someone that, you know, knows and loves you. Your boys turned out pretty, pretty well. Right. And uh, and Jenna Lee's doing she's thriving. So, um, you know, if you screwed up, you didn't screw up so bad that God didn't fix it. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So thanks for sharing that. You know, what's interesting about work life balance. It's uh, almost every. Uh, coaching engagement that I have that comes up. And for me, it was really 
understanding what work-life balance meant. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. think that it's X number of hours here and X number of hours there. And uh, years ago, I uh, got to listen to John Miller speak. Um, he's the author of a book called QBQ, The Question Behind the Question. And yeah, he laid it out for great. me that just really, uh, I, I, I don't know why it blew me away because it was so simple, but he said, work-life balance is how you feel at work and how you feel at home. And if you feel, you know, negative feelings while you're at one place or another, then you probably are out of balance and need to figure that out. Uh, so that that was one important thing. And the other piece that really helped me come to grips with work-life balance was contentment. Um, it wasn't until, you know, for years and years, I wanted to climb up the ladder and, you know, run the organization and all that good stuff. And it wasn't until I really understood what contentment was to where I didn't feel like I was out of whack with work-life balance. So, yeah. And contentment has such a negative connotation, you know, nowadays it's, if you're content, well, then you don't have aspirations, then you have right? no desire, you know, it's no, it's just, I understand where I am right now and I'm okay with that. And I'm going to, you know, like, I, I like what Mark said also about the things that he learned from both positive and negative leadership influences. You know, I've got, I've had partners that were fantastic and partners that were the opposite of fantastic but I've learned from both of them. And so being, being able to identify, you know, look at what Michael's saying, be content where you are, consume what you possibly can and learn from both positive and negative situations. And all of our guests have discussed either on the air or off the air, negative situations where they've still learned something. And so being able to take that in advance, you know, advance yourself forward, um, but being happy sometimes where you're at and saying, you know what, I'm okay for the next year or two. And this is where I need to be. Um, it's one of my personal pet peeves is to hear people uh, today, nowadays say, well, you know, I want, I, I should have that. And I, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll tell you what, you can have any of it if you're willing to make the sacrifices. And that's what they want. They want the benefit. They want the Super Bowl without the practice. They want the Super Bowl ring without what it takes to beat all the other teams and get to the Super Bowl. And I, and I think that's the thing that I sometimes am challenged with when I begin to have that conversation and I almost have a visceral reaction at first. And I have to recognize that, look, I'm talking to somebody who has not gone through that. So maybe if we begin to have a, a dialogue, they can understand you. Have, there's nothing holding you back from being a leader and from achieving and from owning your own business. I mean, we are in the greatest nation that ever was and is, and you have all the opportunity. There is nothing holding you back, but your willingness to work hard, you know, so whether yeah, it's you, getting an education or working three jobs to put yourself through college like I did, and then starting your own business after a decade of, of learning. So anyways, thanks, Mark. That's just that one more thing. You know, it's interesting too, when you talk about contentment being, ha- having a negative connotation, I've heard that, um, you know, you don't have the aspiration to climb a ladder or to do great things. And I always go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, yeah. you know, the, the very top of the pyramid is self-actualization, right? So, um, you know, who's, who's more advanced, the guy who just wants to, uh, spend all of his time, energy and resources on climbing up the ladder or the guy who really knows where they're at. Well, yeah. you know, that's that's what when y'all asked me about um, leadership and who's had the biggest influence in my life. I mean, I'm just going to go back to Christ. I mean, he was the perfect leader. But what did he lead with? He led with humility, you know, and that's like a dirty word today. Whereas right. in my life, 
you know, and I know in y'all's as well, since I know you, is humility is crucial and critical, not only in a leadership perspective, but in any relationship. And, and so um, by, by being vulnerable, we're demonstrating a sense of humility, which, which helps us as far as our leadership is concerned. People recognize that. Yeah. So, Mark, what do you uh, kind of as we're we begin to land the plane? Uh, we I feel like this should be a two parter. Like the first part is Mark's personal life. That's part counseling, you know, um, and then the second part is Mark as an executive. But, you know, just to kind of summarize, um, what's your do you have an overarching philosophy from a business perspective and then something not not uh super technical, but all, it seems like consistently all of our guests are reading something, you know, there's something that like what you've mentioned, a couple of books, et cetera. So if you could recommend, you know, one thing that influenced that philosophy or one book that influenced that philosophy, um, that others maybe could, uh, could hear that and go with. So sure. A couple of things that most people have heard of Simon Sinek, uh, and he wrote a great book that's start with why, right? And so, um, you know, I, I would just ask any leader, I would ask any person to ask why, why are they here? You know, what, and, yeah. and his, his question is great. What, what is your why? So, so I'll tell you my why. It's, it's very simple. My why is to, is to, to be a light for Jesus Christ and then to positively impact anyone that comes across my path. And, and that's, that's a, a very, very lofty goal. And I'm not patting myself on the back, but it keeps me focused. It keeps me focused in terms of why am I here and, and what am I doing? And so there's a verse, Colossians 3.23 says that whatever you do, do your work heartily as to the Lord rather than to man. And so I don't work for man. I work for God. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's where is your focus? If your focus is on money, then guess what? That's your God. If your focus is on promotion, then guess what? That's, that's your God. That's your motivator. And so Cynic was really asking everybody, what motivates you? Um, what is it that causes you to get up in the morning and to go do what you're going to do? And when I was on active duty, it was before Cynic wrote his book, but it, it was, it was, it was a big thing like that. And, and it was, I'm going to defend our nation so people can be free. So people can live their lives and do what they want because of me. And so I really feel, yeah, I know vanilla ice cream and apple pie and waving the flag. Yes, that's, that's me. I believe that. And so that's what got me up. And then I read Cynic's book as a entrepreneur and I was like, you know what? I really need to, to reevaluate um, why I'm here. And so every day I get, I get to impact two to 3000 lives a day um, and, and bring a ray of sunshine into their life. And so that's what keeps me going, Tom. Um, knowing that I'm working for God and I want to impact lives and bring honor and glory to him. And that's a good motivator, man. Yeah, that, that is. It's reminding me where, where my why should be. 
You know, it's interesting too, uh, what you just said um, reminds me of a Chick-fil-A training video. Uh, everyone has a story. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. Did you write that one? I didn't, but I tell you what, it brings tears to your eyes because oh. um, I, I use that in the restaurant when we had guests in the restaurant, but I, you know, especially me, we're in medical center and I would tell them, look, there's a doctor. You have no idea if he or she just lost a patient or there's a nurse and you have no idea if he or she just assisted in whatever take place and, and text. And I said, everybody has a story. And so unfortunately, some of them are going to take them out on you, but you can bring a ray of sunshine into his life. And just remember that, which absolutely Tom, I didn't answer the second part of your question, but uh, the, the current book that I'm reading right now is called the way of the shepherd. And it's by uh, Lehman and uh, Pentek, P E N T A K. And, uh, it's about taking care of the sheep. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's another book that is similar to anything that Mark Miller or, or Blanchard wrote, but uh, really, really good, really, really powerful. And uh, focuses, it focuses on leadership and how to be a good leader. Uh, but out of those leadership principles, obviously come how to be a good follower. Yeah, yeah. So, Mark, before we leave, uh, what uh, would you like our audience to take away from the conversation today? That I love you guys. That's probably the best thing. Um, I'm only kidding. That's not what I would want them to. Oh, yeah, it is what I'd want them to take. I was going to say, I was going to say, I was like, I, um, I was rocking that. But, I was like, sweet, nah, love you too, I, man. Yeah, no, no, but seriously, I, you know, I, I think, I think people need to, need to, go back to the basics. I, I really do. I, I think, I think the key to leadership is the golden rule. Treat others the way you want to be treated. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I pound that home every single time I get an opportunity to do that because if you take care of your people, they're going to take care of you. I don't focus on sales. I don't focus on growth. I, that to me is the secondary issue. The primary issue is the people. And if they know you love them, they'll take the hill for you, right? To use a military term, if, I, I, if my people know that I care for them and I've got their six covered and an umbrella over their head, they'll take any hill I ask them to do it. So I would, I would say, treat your people the way you want to be treated and they'll do amazing things for you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mark, Obviously, this goes without saying, but I probably should say it more often. You're a wonderful, wonderful friend. I love and respect you. Um, I really appreciate the way that you've been super transparent and vulnerable today. I know that this isn't some act. This is the way that you are. And uh, and so I, I'm I'm trust. I, I trust that people that listen to this podcast, hopefully will see that you don't have to say I'm a transparent and vulnerable person to be that. And so if you've been listening to our podcast, I think that's one giant nugget that they're going to get out of this, um, along with what you've specifically said in terms of do unto others as you'd have others do unto you. So I really appreciate you. Thank you for, for being here. Yeah. Ditto, ditto, ditto. And, uh, you know, one thing that, uh, we talk about a lot with, uh, our audience is having, uh, some sort of board of directors and, and you're looking at half of my board of directors right here, my, uh, uh, accountability brothers. So thank you for that as well. And if you've got any feedback for us, uh, whether it's, uh, about this episode or any of the other episodes, or if you'd like to be a guest 
on Two Guys on Stuff, send us an email, info at edwardsgrouptx.com. Uh, we'll happily respond on air to uh, any of your questions, comments, or concerns. And again, if you'd like to be a guest, we are always looking for people who can share great leadership nuggets. So thank you all and have a great week. Thanks for listening to Two Guys on Stuff. Tune in next week as Tom and Michael talk more about leadership stuff, life stuff, helpful stuff, and maybe even your stuff. Until then, keep your stories fun.